James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came unto him, saying, Master, we would that thou shouldest do for us whatsoever we shall desire. He said to them, What would you that I should do for you? And they said to him, Grant unto us that we may sit one on your right hand and the other on your left hand in your glory. But Jesus said to them, You know not what you ask. Can you drink of the cup that I drink of and be baptized with the baptism that I am baptized with? And they said unto him, We can. And Jesus said unto them, You shall indeed drink of the cup that I drink of. And with the baptism that I am baptized with, all shall you be baptized. But to sit on my right hand and on my left hand is not mine to give, but it shall be given to them for whom it is prepared. And when the ten heard it, and the other fellows heard it, they began to be much displeased with James and John. And Jesus called them to him and said to them, You know that they which are accounted to rule over the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and their great ones exercise authority upon them. But it shall not be among you, but whosoever shall be great among you shall be your minister, and whosoever of you will be the chiefest shall be the bond slave of all. For even as the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister, and to give his life a ransom for many. Welcome to the Unchanging Word Radio Bible Study. Our name, the Unchanging Word, reflects the fact that the eternal Word of God is never changed and never will. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Life begins at Calvary, there my Savior died. He took my place and by His grace came with me to abide. All I need for living is mine by just believing. Life begins at Calvary, life that never ends. In our study in this lesson, Dr. Mitchell will focus in on one verse, Mark chapter 10, verse 45. He will direct our hearts to the person and work of our Lord Jesus Christ, where it is written, For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life a ransom for many. Dr. Mitchell will give us a survey of the many ways the Lord Jesus has been ministering to people up to this point in the book of Mark. The second part of Mark chapter 10, verse 45, has to do with Jesus giving his life a ransom for many, both for you and for me. So let's turn to Mark chapter 10, verse 45 with Dr. Mitchell. And here he turns our hearts to the Savior who gave himself a ransom for all. And this is the Unchanging Word Bible broadcast. Good day, friends. Again, we come to you And as I've oftentimes said, and I still repeat it because I believe it, a wonderful thing for you and me to sit together and just talk about the Savior. And as I have been studying these these four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, I can't help but realize the tremendous revelation that God has given to us of His own heart and of His own character. One could speak of the majesty and the power of God, the sovereignty of God, And my, that's wonderful, that he framed the ages by the word of his mouth, that he's El Shaddai, the one who is sufficient for all things, that he's the one who upholds all things by the word of his power, that the nations of the earth are reputed before him as nothing, 
They're just the dust in the balance. Yes, says Isaiah, they are less than nothing. You can talk about his majesty, I repeat, his power, his authority. He's God. He's sovereign. And we, we tremble sometimes when we think of the eternal living God, the creator of all things. And then I see him manifested in his own heart toward men and women whom he made, fallen, sinful humanity. And Jesus came, took his place in the human race for a distinct purpose. What righteousness could not do, love has done. And the remarkable thing is that he came, and he came for a distinct purpose. Now we're in the book of Mark, Gospel through Mark, we're in chapter, chapter 10. And you remember in this chapter, our Lord has, has been dealing with uh, the rich young ruler, and then he had a deal with his disciples. And then you remember from 32 to 34, we took up the third announcement of his death. He's not going to turn back. He's going to go right through with what God has intended for him to do. He's going to be a sacrifice. He came to seek and to save the lost. And as we said in our preceding lessons, it, it, it is just beginning to dawn upon the hearts of these disciples that something's going to happen when they go to Jerusalem. For now, he's on his way to Jerusalem. In a few days, he's going to be crucified. And he said, his face is a flint. He shall not be moved, as Isaiah chapter 50 declares. Oh, how glad I am he didn't turn back. How glad I am that he was completely submissive to the will of his Father. As he could say in the 40th Psalm, I delight to do thy will, O my God, for thy word is in my heart. And a body hast thou prepared me, a body for suffering. And then we had the request of James and John. Isn't it an amazing thing that right after our Lord's third announcement of his suffering and of his death and of his resurrection, and he said to the disciples, we're going to Jerusalem. This is what's going to happen. Here you find James and John coming to the Lord and asking for something. And he asked them, what do you want? And he said, well, you want to sit on your right hand? One of us sit on your right hand and one sit on the left hand when you come into your glory. Now, I don't know whether the disciples realized what they were saying about the glory, but they were looking for an earthly kingdom, for the kingdom of God to be on earth, and the Lord was going to reign. Is he not the Messiah? Is he not the Lord of lords and King of kings? And Lord, when you come to the throne, put me on the throne. One on your right hand, one on your left hand. And you remember the Lord's answer, it's not mine to give. Are you willing to be baptized with the baptism that I'm to be baptized with? Drink of the cup that I'm going to drink from. Question of suffering. And then you remember the effect upon the ten in verse 41. Uh, they didn't like this one a little bit. I think they were a little jealous of James and John. And we read there that they were put out about it. Uh, I'm not surprised at that. They were displeased with James and John. See, they all wanted to be on the right hand or the left hand. They all wanted a place of prominence. Isn't that true? Isn't that one of the failures of the human heart? We want to be somebody. 
want to be somebody. I'm not opposed to ambition. May God grant that that ambition primarily will be for the Savior, as Paul could say, be ambitious to be found pleasing in his sight. And the Lord, again, gave them another lesson on humility. If you're going to be great, you've got to be the servant of all. For the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. I want to stop here for a few moments because I believe this, this is the, uh, the central verse of the whole book of Mark. He's within a, a week, possibly a week, a few days of being crucified. And he's telling his disciples, humility is the sign of greatness in the kingdom of God. If you want to be great, be the servant of all. For the Son of Man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister. As I said a moment ago, here's the key verse of Mark. As I said in closing our last lesson, how the Lord Jesus loved to call himself the Son of Man, Son of Man. You remember Daniel chapter 7, the Son of Man comes to the Ancient of Days, to the Son of Man was given a kingdom. The Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. The Son of Man came to minister. Oh, I'm so glad he came. And you, my friend, you glad the Lord Jesus came he came because he loved sinners. He came because he loved you. He saw you in your sin under the sentence of death, under the powers of darkness. And how I love that verse in Colossians 1, uh, 13, where he has translated us out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of God's dear Son. The Son of Man is come. I'm glad for that. In Hebrews 2, you remember those verses, 14 and 15? He took his place in the human family, the Son of Man. What for? To annul the power, to destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver us, who through fear of death were all our lifetime subject to bondage. Isn't it a wonderful thing? We have such a Savior, huh? Do you revel in him? Do you love him? And remember, the Son of Man came to minister. Let me just stop there for a few moments. He came to minister. And in this gospel through Mark, the very first chapter, what's he doing? Ministering, casting out demons, healing the fever, cleansing the lepers. Oh, I tell you, they came running to Jesus as many as touched him were made whole. The man who was led down by his friends in front of Jesus, a man sick of the palsy. Here's the one with a withered hand in the synagogue. Here are 5,000 people starving. They're hungry. They've gone all day without food. Shall he send them away? Disciples said, yes, send them away. No, no, no. You don't send people away from Jesus, do you? When they're in need, he's the only one who can meet that need. So he took five loaves and two fishes, and he fed the thousands. Oh, what a Savior. He came not to be ministered unto, but to minister. He put his own desires to one side, even when the mothers brought their children, so he could lay his hands upon them. And why not? Why not? 
and those dear disciples in their zeal for the Savior. The master's tired. He's been doing things all day long. He's been cleansing lepers and casting out demons. He's, he's been healing people, meeting their needs. Now let him have a little rest. Jesus rebuked his disciples. He said, suffer the little children to come unto me. What I'm trying to get to your heart is he came to minister. My friend, he came to minister for you too. Message to those of you who have accepted the Savior, remember, he never gets tired praying for you, even today. As Hebrews 7.25 says, Wherefore he is able to save perfectly all those who come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. He's still ministering, administering grace to those in need. It may be I'm talking to some dear woman or some man or some family or some preacher or some Christian worker, and you're discouraged, you're disheartened. Uh, it just seems that everything you do goes wrong. Yeah, the more you seem to um, give yourself over to the Savior, the more you want to do His will, the more problems you have. Well, that's to be expected. See, Satan doesn't care how religious you get as long as you don't glorify and magnify Jesus Christ. Satan hates the Savior and hates anyone who loves the Savior. So expect that. But that Jesus is with you, he's indwelling you, and he came to minister to you. Yet remember, he's touched with the feeling of our infirmities. He's able to succor them that are tested. That's why he says, Come with boldness to the throne of grace, and there obtain mercy and find grace to help in every time of need. He came to minister. He took the time out to heal a woman while he's on the way to raise a girl from the dead. He took the time out to stand with Mary and Martha and weep with them. And in a few hours, he's going to raise their brother Lazarus from the dead. But the Lord of glory takes the time out to stand with these girls and enter into their suffering, into their sorrow. Who oh, am I talking to you today? And possibly you've gotten so discouraged you feel like giving everything up. Now don't. He'll not test you any more than you're able to bear. Remember, he never leaves you. He never forsakes. And as he came to these people to minister, he is still ministering today to any and all who will come unto him. I want this to be very clear in your mind, you see. Now the second part of the verse is this. He not only came to minister but he also came to give his life a ransom for many. Or, uh, this is the last half of the book of Mark. If you were to take the first chapters, first eight chapters of Mark, he came to minister. He came to serve. He came to meet people's needs. It no matter what their condition were, men, women, children, made no difference. But in the last half of Mark, from 9 to 15, he's dealing war, he to give his life a ransom for many. That's chapters 9 to 15. Chapter 16, of course, is resurrection. He came to give his life a ransom for many. In 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 4 to 6, remember, God wants all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Why? Because he gave his son to be a ransom for all, to be testified 
in due time. See, for there's one God and one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, whom we set forth to be, what? A ransom. Why, when you speak of a ransom, you think of somebody who's a prisoner. That's right. And we were prisoners. You remember in Romans 7.14, Paul writes, we were sold under sin. Sin was our master. Sin is still the master of everyone who is out of Christ. Jesus came, aren't you glad he came? What for? To ransom you from the power of the grave. He, he gave himself a ransom. Got that in the 49th Psalm. No man can by any means deliver his brother or give to God a ransom for him, for he knows that his soul is precious and lives forever. No man can by any means redeem his brother. You can't buy salvation for me, and I can't buy salvation for you. You can't put away my sin, and I can't put away your sin. You can't give me eternal life, and I can't give you eternal life. No man can by any means, any means, religious means or moral means or any other means, give a ransom for men who are dead in trespasses and sins. You see, friend, what dead people need is life. What people who are afar off, what they need is to be brought nigh. What unrighteous people need is righteousness. What those who are in darkness need is light. Where can I find it? Where can I find it? The Son of Man is come. What for? To give his life a ransom for many. Oh, how wonderful. He ransomed me. He paid the debt. He set us free. He came to give his life for you and for me. He came for a purpose. He came in obedience to his Father's will. He came to give himself a ransom. He came to minister and he came to lay down his life for us. Now let me again repeat this, what I've said before. Please don't, please. Don't look upon Jesus Christ as your servant. He came as the servant of Jehovah. He came to do his Father's will, not your will. It's true he serves us. It's true he meets our needs. It's true he saves sinners and transforms sinners into saints. It's true he gives eternal life to those who are dead in sins. It's true he forgives us and cleanses us from all unrighteousness. But that was his Father's will. And I'm sorry to say there are some Christians who look upon the Lord Jesus Christ as their servant. If Jesus Christ was our servant, then would be, we would be his master. Oh, no. It's the other way around. He was obedient to his Father submissive to his Father's will, obedient to his Father's word. And that was to what? To meet your need and my need. He came and he paid the price. My friend, he didn't pay 90% of it. He didn't pay 99% of it. He paid the whole ransom. He is the ransom. And God has set him forth to be a ransom for you and for me to 
buy us from the markets of sin and then set us free. Emancipate us. This is it. Ransomed us. I repeat it. If you're out of Christ, my friend, as far as the word of God is concerned, you're dead in trespasses and sins. You're sold under sin. You're in bondage to sin. Sin is your master. And you're in bondage to the powers of darkness because Ephesians 2 declares that the unsaved man or woman is energized by, by Satan, by the prince of the power of the air. How can I get free from these shackles of sin? How can I be free from the burden, the shackles of death? Ah, he paid the ransom. And you know, friend, it says over in Acts 20, 28, that Jesus, you remember that verse where Paul says to the Ephesian elders, take heed to yourselves and to the church of God over the which he has made you the overseers to feed the church of God which he purchased with his own blood. He bought you for himself. You're his purchased possession, as Ephesians 1, 13 and 14 says. The redemption of the purchased possession under the praise of his glory. What I'm trying to get into your heart and mind is this. You can come just as you are with all your sin, with all your failure. I don't care what it is. I don't care who you are. I don't care where you are. God has made the marvelous provision for you and for me to come in the presence of God, fully acceptable through Jesus Christ our Lord. The ransom has been paid. You can't add to it. You can't help it. It's a perfect job. Jesus said, it's finished. It's finished. And he bowed his head in resignation. Yielded up the Spirit. As John 10 says, No man taketh my life from me. I have power to lay it down. I have power to take it again. And the guarantee, I come back to it again, the guarantee that the ransom has been paid is that God raised him from the dead. God is perfectly satisfied with the work of his Son. Are you? Are you? Or do you think it's Christ plus you? Or you plus Christ? It's not you believing in Christ plus, 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 some ordinance, something you go through, or some work you do, or some promises you make. Either Christ is a complete Savior, or he's not a Savior at all. Is that right? And God is offering you salvation free. Oh, how glad I am. Jesus said, I came the Son of Man is come. The Son of Man is come. What for? To put away your sin by the sacrifice of himself. To make it possible for you and me to come in his presence, complete in Christ. He's paid the ransom. You go free. Did you hear my friend? Did you hear what I say? I don't know who you are. But I'm telling you very frankly, it's a wonderful thing, wonderful thing to be able to say, I belong to him and he belongs to me. To be able to say he came and paid my debt and set me free. To be able to say with a blind man, once I was blind, now I see. 
Once I was lost and now I'm found. So if I'm talking to you today, may I remind you, he came, Jesus came into the human race. He had you on his heart. He had you on his heart. He came to put away your sin, but to sacrifice him himself. And to as many as receive him, to them he gives the right to become the children of God, even to them that believe on his name. Now you put your trust in the Savior today, and the Lord bless you for his precious name's sake. Thank you for listening to the Unchanging Word Radio Bible Study today. The Unchanging Word is dependent on the support of our listeners. You can write us at The Unchanging Word, P.O. Box 398, Dallas, Oregon, 97338. And so until next time, this is The Unchanging Word Radio Bible Study. Life begins again.